Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and you can find out more. Give them a call. Johnson'sAirConditioning.com is the website. Johnson'sAirConditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is LifeInNaples.net. We've got a great show lined up for you today, including our special guest, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, will be joining us. Timothy Head is the Executive Director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. We'll be talking about government overreach during the Biden administration. Dr. Josh Umber is the founder of Atlas MD. We're talking about telehealth. Is it here to stay? And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston at Space Architecture, will be joining us as well. It is March the 25th, and on this day in 1634, the first colonists to Maryland arrived at St. Clement's Island on Maryland's eastern shore and found the settlement of St. Mary's. In 1632, Charles, King Charles I of England granted a charter to George Calvert, the first Lord Baltimore, yielding him proprietary rights to a region east of the Potomac River in exchange for a share of the income derived from the land. The territory was named Maryland in honor of the Henrietta Maria, the queen consort of Charles I. Before settlement began, George Calvert died and was succeeded by his son, Cecilius, who sought to establish Maryland as a haven for Roman Catholics persecuted in England. In March 1634, the first English settlers... A carefully selected group of Catholics and Protestants arrived at St. Clement's Island aboard the Ark and the Dove. Religious conflict was strong in ensuing years as the American Puritans, growing more numerous in Maryland and supported by Puritans in England, set out to revoke the religious freedoms guaranteed in the founding of the colony. In 1649, Maryland Governor William Stone responded by passing an act ensuring religious liberty and justice to all who believed in Jesus Christ. In 1654, however, the so-called Toleration Act was repealed after Puritans seized control of the colony, leading to a brief civil war that ended with Lord Baltimore losing control of the proprietary rights over Maryland in March 1655. Although the Calverts later regained control of Maryland, anti-Catholic activity persisted until the 19th century when many Catholic immigrants to America chose Baltimore as their home and helped enact laws to protect their free practice of religion. Things weren't always peaceful in the early colony days, were they? Just a pretty amazing story. Founding of Maryland. Pretty special to me because that's where I grew up. Well, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed legislation requiring high school students to pass a financial literacy course before graduating. The bill passed the Florida House unanimously by a vote of 117 to nothing and did the same in the Senate at 39 to nothing. Financial literacy is an important life skill for students to have, said DeSantis. Ensuring our students have the skills to manage their finances and perhaps one day own a business will pay dividends in our state, he added. The educational requirement will go into effect for the 23-24 school year and will provide students instruction on how managing debt, handling bank accounts, and navigating credit scores and taxes. What a great idea. I think we all could have benefited from that kind of instruction early in life if we didn't receive it. It's a great idea. And uh, again... Uh, improving the education system was uh, uh, also a civics course that's required in Florida. These all were going to make uh, better citizens going forward. Well, Joe Biden on Thursday held a disastrous solo press conference and called on a list of pre-approved reporters after meeting with NATO members. A European reporter asked Joe Biden about Donald Trump and what he's going to do to make sure Trump can't undo his work of former president when, to when he wins back the White House in 2024. Then Biden mumbled something about Nazis <laughs> and repeated the very fine people hoax, you know, that Charlottesville thing. Once again, Biden is falsely claiming that Trump called neo-Nazis very fine people. Remember that? That's uh, how he started his campaign. He then warned that Europeans uh, of food shortages. Then he told European crowd that sanctions never deter in his comments on Russia. He actually said that. Why do we have them if they don't deter? <laughs> if they don't deter? And then he got angry about it. Said they just don't deter. They don't deter. 
He's a shuffling disaster. What a shameful chapter in American history, Joe Biden, our president. Well, Donald Trump on Thursday sued <clears throat> Hillary Clinton and several other Democrats alleging they tried to rig the 2016 U.S. presidential, uh, presidential election by trying tying his campaign to Russia. Acting in concert, the defendants maliciously conspired to weave a false narrative that their Republican opponent, Donald J. Trump, was colluding with a hostile foreign sovereignty, the former president alleged in a lawsuit filed in federal court in Florida. Trump, who beat Democrat nominee Hillary Clinton in 2016 in the presidential election, alleges racketeering and a conspiracy to commit injurious falsehood, among other claims. In the lawsuit, Trump is seeking compensatory and punitive damages. He said that he was forced to incur expenses in the amount of to be determined at trial, but known to be in excess of $24 million. Wow. And continues to accrue, continuing to accrue in the form of defense costs, legal fees, and related expenses. President Trump filed his lawsuit in the Southern District of Florida, where he appointed seven of the judges during his term. The lawsuit is aimed at everyone from Hillary Clinton, John Podesta, head FBI officials, and the entire DNC establishment. He's requesting a trial by jury, which signifies he has strong evidence and believes the people, the jury, will serve justice. The wonderful thing about the lawsuit is that it's, most of it is fact already proven through many, many investigations, former President Donald Trump's attorney, Alina Heba, said. In the closing notes he files, he states Watergate will pale by comparison. So he's going after the entire establishment. He wants damages and a jury trial. Get the popcorn. This is going to be fun to watch, I think. Well, a new poll from uh, Emerson College shows former President Donald Trump holding a 12-point margin over incumbent Joe Biden in favorability among Americans. Emerson College surveyed Americans on a variety of issues from daylight savings time to inflation, as well as their opinions on President Biden and his predecessor, Trump. Uh, results showed that if Trump and Biden were to go head-to-head -head in 2024 election, Trump would be uh, the clear favored choice. <clears throat> in another poll... The National Republican Congressional Committee uh, of, of 77 battleground congressional districts across the country showed that Democrats face headwinds with uh, voters as they are being held responsible for high, record high inflation, skyrocketing gas prices, and out-of-control spending. The poll found that Biden's descending approval numbers help Republicans on the generic ballot as voters believe Democrats are out of touch and condescending. Biden's approval in the battleground districts is 15 points, 15 points underwater, as only 40% of the voters approve of the president, while 55% disapprove. 17% of those who disapprove strongly disapprove of Biden's performance. Of the independents surveyed, only 30% approve, with 62% disapproving, which has eroded by a net 34 points since February. With Hispanic voters, Biden's approval rating is at a negative 10, uh, 31-point drop since February 2021. The poll found that the cost of living, jobs, and economy were the top of the list of concerns for battleground voters, giving Republicans an advantage with those voters. 52% of respondents blamed the Biden administration and congressional Democrats' unwillingness to allow more oil and gas production in the United States for skyrocketing gas prices. In comparison, only 31% blame Russia's invasion in Ukraine and sanctions on Russian oil and gas. Two-thirds believe Democrats in Congress are spending money out of control, and 56% of respondents said high gas prices are hurting their families the most, while 41% said rising food costs are hurting their families the most. It's a very interesting survey, and I think kind of sets the pins for what we believe is going to happen in the midterm elections. There's going to be, I think, a real red wave across the United States. This is so interesting. Alex Berenson, you may be aware, is uh, he writes for, uh, he writes uh, a very interesting columns. He's been, uh, he writes mainly about the vaccine and the virus. And uh, he's been a, <laughs> I think, an outspoken voice. And here's what he says. Vaccine passports are dead. Vaccine mandates are deader whatever that means, and actual vaccinations are deadest of all. All over Europe, countries are dropping COVID vaccination passports only months after introducing them. Since Friday, 
Italy and Greece have become the latest nations to say they will dump passport requirements as of May 1st. Both countries made the uh, usual noises about no longer needing rules because COVID is so under control. We are, of course, keeping a very close watch on the epidemic curve, Italy's prime minister said. Yes, watching the number of a few infections almost double in the last two weeks, says Berenson. Viewed over the longer term, the picture is even worse. When Italy introduced the vaccine passport last September, it had roughly 4,000 infections a day. When it tightened restrictions in December, it had 15,000. Now it has 70,000 a day. I cannot say this enough times. COVID vaccine restrictions are ending not because the mRNA vaccines have succeeded, but because they have failed, says Berenson. The depth of the failure is so complete that it's to explain sounds almost conspiratorial. The mRNA vaccines do not just not work against Omicron. They have negative efficacy, which is why the most highly vaccinated countries in the world now have levels of infection far higher than they had a year ago or in 2020 and far higher than countries that did not use the mRNA vaccines. Here's Austria, which is in January became the first country in Europe to announce not just a vaccine passport, but a COVID vaccine mandate. Austria now has more coronavirus infections than the United States, with a population 135th as large. No wonder Austria dumped its mandate two weeks ago before it ever really took effect. And no wonder the German parliament walked away last week from plans to pass its own mandate. As a result, Omicron is rocketing around Europe and parts of Asia at levels that were previously unthinkable. Meanwhile, countries that did not use uh, mRNA or lesser extent the DNA shot from uh, AstraZeneca have far, far smaller caseloads. In the very short run, a second booster may reduce infections marginally, but even the most committed vaccine fanatics are pressing a fourth shot only half-heartedly since clinical trial data uh, supporting its use basically do not exist, and the pattern is now clear. Once the supernatural antibodies wane, the protection does too. And while governments will not openly admit that COVID jabs have failed, their citizens understand the reality. Fewer than 80,000 Americans a day are now getting boosters out of more than 100 million people who are eligible. By definition, the booster audience should not be vaccine-hesitant since it consists of people who've already taken COVID jabs. Thus, the only real question left is not whether countries will be able to convince their citizens to take more uh, mRNA jabs, but what happens next to the people who have already taken them, that is, whether they have any kind of durable immunity after they get infected against reinfection, either with Omicron or with variants. It's too soon to know, but the fact that the infections are again rising in Israel less than two months after it saw a massive Omicron surge is worrisome. Meanwhile, both COVID deaths and all-cause mortality remain stubbornly high. The RM, uh, mRNA vaccine era began barely a year ago with its incredible optimism. Unfortunately, the reality has been very different. The question now becomes how much longer the government, academics, companies, and journalists who press these shots on more than a billion people can keep denying the truth. That from Alex Barrison. Again, so much cover-up. And uh, so much government fraud in this entire episode. But the truth is coming out. And thank you, Alex Barrison, for, uh, for that column. So interesting. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. 
What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app from the choicesocial.us website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Dr. Josh Umber, the founder of Atlas MD. Right now we have with us William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. William, tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. Uh, We're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So, William, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, I've watched a little bit of the uh, uh, Brown-Jackson hearings. Of course, she's the candidate for justice for the Supreme Court. I'd be interested in your thoughts. (laughs) Well, yes. So uh, four days of hearings this week. Um, And as always, with the modern incarnation of of these confirmation hearings, there was a a lot of spectacle, but not a great deal of substance. Um, And I'll I'll also note here that to the GOP's credit, to the uh, minority party in the Senate's credit, um, she was not given the Kavanaugh treatment. Um, That said, there still was plenty of grandstanding on on both sides, but she was not sort of a... You know, Kavanaugh, I don't think your listeners will disagree, was treated very much unfairly. Yeah. Um, and she was given a more uh, normal hearing, if you will, for modern times. Um, the, the highlights uh, were, uh, for me personally, were, uh, and this was unknown to me, but uh, Judge Brown Jackson, basically in the course of, of multiple lines of questioning, revealed that her judicial philosophy, at least when it comes to interpreting the Constitution, is originalism. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this uh, what is thought to be a, a right-of-center um, uh, philosophy, you know, one <clears throat> sort of most commonly associated with Justice Scalia. Um, so I thought that was very interesting, and I also thought it was very interesting how once she made that sort of a, a eye-catching admission that it was immediately dropped by, by Democrat questioners, and, and uh, for that matter, I'll note that there wasn't much hay made of it by uh, by the GOP, by the Republican questioners hmm. either. But I thought it was very interesting. Um, I should also note that your your listeners perhaps heard of the line of questioning, a critical line of questioning brought by uh, uh, Senator Howley um, from Missouri right. regarding uh, allegedly uh, Judge Brown Jackson's lenient treatment of 
uh, people who engage in child pornography. Mm-hmm. And w- without getting into the nitty-gritty of the details and the law here, I will point your listeners to uh, uh, an article written in National Review Online by Andrew McCarthy, and he's their resident legal scholar at NRO, and he was a uh, very good um, during the Trump witch hunt in pointing out all the sort of legal absurdities there. But he's got an article whose title says it all with respect to Senator Howley's questioning. It says, this is the title, Senator Howley's disingenuous attack against Judge Jackson's record on child pornography. So I just want your listeners to know that there's more there than perhaps the headlines would indicate. That yeah. that, that, that particular line of questioning, I think, was more so grandstanding than anything substantive. Um, at the end of the day... She uh, went through four days of questioning, and you know I don't think she was dinged not, uh, to, to any significant degree. Um, it, I think the entire time the question has been whether or not the usual suspects among the GOP would be willing to vote for her. And here I'm thinking of Senators Collins, Murkowski, and Romney. Uh, the, the jury is still out there. We still don't know how they're going to vote. Um, however, we do expect. You know, we 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 all know that Democrats can do this unilaterally. And Chuck Schumer has his designs on this thing getting wrapped up uh, within two Fridays. So by April, um, what is that, April uh, uh, the 11th, I believe? Yeah, I guess it's supposed Um, to come out of committee on the 4th. They'll take a vote in the 4th, and it'll probably be the following week that they'll uh, have a vote in the Senate, for their advice and consent vote uh, in the Senate for her uh, confirmation. However, I thought the most damning thing that occurred was the uh, discussion of what is a woman. You know, <laughs> that, to me, it was so interesting that uh, she refused. In- she could have said, "Hey, look, you're looking at one." You know, <laughs> she did. She just says, "I'm not a biologist." What kind of a stupid answer is that? Well, she. I, so I don't disagree with that. Uh, but, you know, but I also think that there were a lot of stupid questions. I mean, the fact is that again, this modern incarnation of these confirmation hearings is sort of all about grandstanding yeah. on, I guess, both sides. So, um, yes, I did think that was sort of a, that that exchange was a sad commentary on our times. You know, on mm. the current state of our culture and um, its yeah. taboos, but. Yeah. Um, uh, nonetheless, I think that's sort of part and parcel for the process these days. Well, thank you for that, William. I, any thoughts at all? We're going into the midterms right now. The polling's all indicating that there's real headwinds for the Democrats. Looks like a red wave at this point. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's a fool's errand to prognosticate politics or you know future elections, but historically, um, the power, the, the party that's in power in the White House does terrible in that first midterm election. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you noted at the outset with the question, all signs, all, all the tea leaves are pointing to just that, a red wave. I mean, it, it, it's not just that the president's polling numbers are, are so poor. It's not just that incumbent, uh, the majorities in the House and the Senate, their polling numbers are so poor. Um, we're seeing other indications, uh, such as uh, 31 members of the House, Democrat members of the House, have announced they're going to retire rather than, you know, endure, I guess, the, two, the, the midterm elections. And that's uh, compared to 13 Republicans. And that 31 Democrats retiring is the most in Congress by the majority party in the House since the 2004 wave elections. Yeah. Um, you know, so, uh, uh, I'm sorry, it was 2006 wave elections. I'm sorry. That, um, but the, the long and short of it is that every sign is pointing to that. Along these lines, I'll note that there was a very revealing interview earlier this week between Florida Representative Stephanie Murphy and Politico, uh, Politico magazine, uh, in which she's one of these representatives who's retiring. Uh, the long and short of it is she laid the, poli- the, the blame um, for this what she believes will be a wave election directly at the feet of uh, leadership in the House and the Senate. So Schumer and Pelosi mm. and her specific attack, and this is one that we've spoken about on prior Fridays, was how present Democrat leadership in Congress won't protect their moderate members. And that's something that historically leadership be it Republican or Democrat, has always done. Well, that's been thrown out the window by leadership in this 117th Congress. And according to Florida Representative Stephanie Murphy, that's the big reason why they're facing a shellacking. 
That is so interesting. What an interesting observation. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about the SEC now wants to impose these requirements that uh, a report from each company about uh, their climate change. <laughs> it's making me laugh. This is so stupid. But I just can't believe that we're going to muck up uh, the waters and require more regulations for companies in terms of their filing. We have quarterly reporting already. It's just ridiculous. Any thoughts? Well, I know we're running out of time, so I'll just keep it quick. Uh, but, you know, this is, of course, Mission Creek. Um, this is the SEC using a 1934 law um, for these very 2022 problems of, of climate change. Um, it, it fits very poorly with our statutory regime. It's highly unclear how this would proceed. But it is, I think, your initial response to laugh um, is, uh, well, perhaps and cry. Yeah. There will be economic consequences, but it is ridiculous. Absolutely. Well, you may have been, again, research fellow at the Cato Institute. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. I hope you check it out. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Timothy Head. He is the executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Invisible Hand is just starting right now. It's a drama of a kidnapped investment banker's very interesting story. And uh, you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Timothy Head. He is the executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Timothy, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me this morning. My pleasure. Tell us about the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Well, uh, we are uh, the we we uh, our, our kind of tagline is we uh, we believe that we exist to give Christians a voice in government. So basically, what we do is we advocate on the federal and state levels for uh, for what we like to say is a, a biblical worldview within a constitutional framework. So we're we're trying to. Uh, to first uh, get uh, Christians uh, engaged civically, politically, going to the polls, and then uh, we go to elected officials and tell uh, elected officials what we believe that that uh, Scripture tells us uh, about uh, about leading 
uh, a godly and moral, virtuous life uh, in, in the world of politics and public policy. Uh, Timothy, do you have a website? Uh, we do. We, you can uh, learn more about us at www.ffcoalition.com. FFcoalition.com is the website. So uh, I wanted to speak to you about government overreach toward the Biden administration. I mean, it's pretty clear that it's happening, but it'd be interesting to get uh, your perspective from a Christian as well as a constitutional framework. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, uh, I, I think that this is a, a great example of, of uh, that old adage that, uh, that, that the, gov- the government that governs best governs least. Right. Okay. Um, so we're, we're in a situation now where uh, we're unfortunately in a, in a short amount of time at the tail end of, of the Trump administration. We saw a huge bureaucratic lurch uh, that, that uh, the Biden administration has shown itself to be all too comfortable uh, with uh, with uh, complying and even expanding that that governmental lurch on the federal side, mm-hmm. you know clearly uh, uh, the, uh, COVID itself was uh, was an unprecedented challenge that uh, that we uh, we don't care to see any more of uh, in in any of our lifetimes. But the the challenge is uh, for for me from a governmental perspective is uh, as we've seen so many examples now on the federal as well as the state levels of uh, of. Um, instead of reluctantly uh, kind of uh, moving into into crisis or emergency powers, we saw a really a real w- willingness and even eagerness to move mm-hmm. into those uh, those powers. Uh, first of all, starting you know obviously for uh, for health purposes, but uh, but expanding into uh, any number of other uh, other uh, realms, and uh, and then. Uh, really being reluctant to pull pull back from those uh, emergency or, or unusual powers. Yeah, so uh, true. So you know, we 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 feel like that uh, uh, this what what really was kind of an unprecedented moment. Our concern is we're going to find uh, more and more of these unprecedented quote unquote moments uh, that uh, that a, a federal and even sometimes global uh, uh, entities governments. Uh, are, are kind of eager to, to break that glass, if you will, um, and, and find emergencies uh, under under every uh, around every corner. Yeah, no, I, I I just totally agree with you, and it's very concerning. I mean, it's clear that the power is just uh, so attractive to these elected officials, and unfortunately, it's how quickly our powers and our freedoms dissipated. Uh, as as uh, citizens, how quickly they dissipated under this kind of an emergency situation that they claimed, and to me, quite frankly, in retrospect, kind of looks like it was orchestrated and planned, <laughs> unfortunately. But uh, you know, I, I think people would be very uh, elected officials would be very eager to pick up again and uh, declare an emergency for another health situation uh, that was perhaps orchestrated. Well, uh, you know that was uh, I was obviously under the auspice of a, of a health emergency. I mean, <clears throat> historically, really, what we've uh, that that's that kind of expanse uh, expansion or or unbridled power. The, the emergencies really have only been in wartime scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we saw those same same powers enacted, you know, here in a, in a very very unusual uh, health scenario. But uh, you know, I'm, I, amazingly enough, I've actually. I've uh, been in a few meetings in <clears throat> in DC uh, either either physically or virtually uh that uh, that I've actually heard a few uh either elected officials or unelected uh government uh leaders uh talk about um like climate emergencies or environmental emergencies yeah. that we're that we're finding ourselves in and uh you know yet again we we we're kind of uh uh, you know, we're, we're looking, looking seem, seemingly for the the buzzword to be able to find to to call something an an, uh, an emergency. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, similar to, to calling things terrorism, right? Anything is a terror. You're a domestic terrorist because if you believe something differently than I do. Exactly. I mean, parents being called uh, domestic terrorists because they're objecting to school boards uh, implementing uh, critical race theory in school. It's just totally absurd. And uh, we, to your point, I mean, earlier we, we had two weeks to flatten the curve to make sure that our hospitals weren't overrun with people in, in the dire situations because of COVID. We didn't understand at the time, and two weeks made sense, but it went on for two years, and I just uh, referenced a column this morning from Alex Barrison, Barrison uh, suggesting 
uh, that uh, the, the vaccines actually didn't work. And of course, the president of the United States said we should all become vaccine, vaccinated and he cast dispersions on those that were willing to get, uh, that were uh, vaccine hesitant. It turned out that the, they seemed to know what they were talking about. Well, didn't know what they were talking about. And then, you know, of course, we're supposed to uh, to, to kind of forgive and forget. Uh, but, you know, yet again, because of the unprecedented moment and, and, and they were kind of doing the best they could with the limited amount of of, uh, of, of information or knowledge that they had. The problem is that they, uh, you know, not, not only did they shut down uh, the world for, uh, you know, for, like you said, for all, uh, essentially for two years, uh, you know, but for a handful of governors in the United States actually pushing back and, and trying to accelerate that, you know, uh, uh, shorten that that shutdown, uh, we we actually would still be shut down if you know if no one for about yeah. about six or eight governors that kind of put their foot down. So uh, you know, and unfortunately, we actually, uh, thankfully, we still have at least a vestige of of kind of that federalist uh, uh, system of you know uh, still still some states with some state power that that actually. Uh, can can uh, you know have have some uh, re- recurse or, or rebuttal to uh, to absolute federal uh, government uh, governmental powers? Absolutely, uh, we live here in the uh, free state of Florida, and so grateful for so grateful for the leadership of our governor. Uh, he's just done an outstanding job, I think, and the decisions that he'd made in terms of our health, in terms of the, whole, the entire situation, have just been outstanding. So we're very grateful for that, very grateful for federalism indeed. Timothy Head, again, Executive Director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Website is ffc.com. Did I get that right, Timothy? Well, it's ffcoalition.com, oh, ffcoalition.com, yes, sir. Thank you, ffcoalition.com. Timothy, just generally appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. God bless. My pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, Dr. Josh Umber. He is the founder of Atlas MD. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. 
creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website thefga.org. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Dr. Josh Umber. He is the founder of Atlas MD. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure, indeed. Tell us about what's Atlas MD. Yeah, that's a, a, a clinic we founded called, uh, that works under the idea of direct primary care. Uh, some people would recall it used to be called concierge medicine. And so there's a large number of doctors across the country, especially in Florida, where doctors are doing this model, where we remove insurance from the payment and just work directly with the patients, typically on a flat monthly rate, maybe around 50 or $75 a month for adults for unlimited visits, free telemedicine, no uh, co-pays, free procedures, discounts on meds and labs. Really, it's, it's... Primary care doctors trying to find a way to fix health care, make everything cheaper, including health insurance. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great movement. And uh, trying to eliminate the insurance companies and all the paperwork that's involved so you can spend more time with patients. It makes That's a concept that makes a lot of sense to me. So yeah. uh, uh, do you have a website, by the way? Yeah, the uh, website is uh, uh, atlas.md, or you can always search for direct primary care on Google for doctors in your area. Uh, or atlas.md slash map, M-A-P, will bring up a couple of maps to look for doctors in your area. That's great. Thank you so much, doctor. So uh, you brought up this whole issue about the telehealth. Uh, is it here to stay is the question. So, uh, But before we get into the discussion, uh, is it here to stay, what exactly would you define telehealth to be? Yeah, I think it's, it's really broadened the last few years. It's really any technology that the doctor or the patient can use to improve health care. So, you know, if you go back far enough, that was roads, horses, and then telephones. Um, Now it's Apple Watches, it's Zoom or FaceTime, it's texting, it's email. Um, So it's it's becoming a a richer collection of tools to supplement that doctor-patient relationship as time goes on. It's been somewhat frustrating to me to just see the, how uh, antiquated our entire process is having people sitting in waiting rooms waiting to see the doctor, sometimes for an inordinate amount of time. And uh, when we have all these resources available, why hasn't it been used up to this point? Yeah, I, right on the, the, both points. Um, it, it, the, the slowest moving piece in that was government and insurance and doctors accepting payment. Uh Insurance and government just didn't want to pay for it, or they said it wasn't secure enough. That was a big problem pre-COVID, is these uh, antiquated HIPAA regulations. Uh, HIPAA was written in 1996 when I was 15. The Spice Girls were topping the charts, and Internet Explorer 3 was released. So uh, technology moves much faster than the government. And thankfully, in March of 2020, they, they replaced that with a good faith principle. Um, but before that, insurance was going to say, look, if you're just emailing, we're not getting a quote full visit with vitals and physical exam, so we don't want to pay the full amount. Well, doctors are under increasingly um, rough financial uh, squeeze, so they said, well, we're not going to do the same visit for 80% of the payment, we'll just keep making everyone come in. And this was really the stress test we needed to force both parties to do what's best for the patient. That is so interesting. So the patient, unfortunately, is, uh, is the uh, person who <laughs> has the least consideration under the calculation there, which yeah. is which is really unfortunate. It seems to me that I mean, I, I mean, I feel like I've got strep throat. I've got a problem here. I've had it before. Um, couldn't I just have a, a, a visit with a doctor over the phone or by uh, what do they call it, Zoom? Uh, before having to go into the doctor and and, uh, and have a consultation. I mean, I, I think the doctor should be paid for it. No, no, don't misunderstand, but uh, it's I think it saved everybody a lot of time and money to uh, to have some sort of a televisit, telehealth visit. Yeah. You know, when, when you're the uh, in a third-party payer system, you're right, the, the patient is almost the last person to be considered. When you're in a direct care relationship, you're the first person to be considered. And so we've been doing telemedicine for 10 years prior to this hmm. with those types of things. I mean, you know, every year we have better cameras on our phones. And I can say, yeah, just shoot me a picture of your throat. 
text me your symptoms, email me later. Like that conversation could be happening while you're traveling, while you're working, while you're juggling kids. The, the idea that you would have to drive a 2000 pound car across town, fight traffic, have gasoline, car insurance, all these, just for me to look in your throat. Uh, well, we can do that with technology. Yeah. Um, radio was technology at one point, right? The, mm-hmm. the Truman fireside chats and, Sometimes that was the first time people had ever heard of their president. Yeah. Um, and, and we see how that helps. So it, it, it's a, a complement, not a replacement, but still a darn good one. So you, you've raised the question, is it here to stay? The implication is perhaps it's not here to stay. What has to happen in order to make these types of conveniences for patients uh, more lasting? Well, the, the government has to continue that good faith principle. Uh, and the patients have to demand it, right? They have to say this is definitely uh, a better way of uh, a- accessing care uh, or an option that I want to continue. And they, that might mean patients moving more towards direct care practices, but also just vocalizing when they're renewing their insurance. That just like we talked about our co-pays or prescription coverage, if a plan doesn't include uh, some level of telemedicine access, then it's a lower tier plan because it's making everything harder for you. Now you can't email your doctor about your anxiety. You have to schedule an appointment in two weeks. Well, that's, that's just not uh, acceptable anymore. Mm-hmm. Pandora's box of telemedicine and convenience and simplicity, hopefully it's been opened and uh, it won't be closed. Yeah, no, it sounds very attractive. Quite frankly, uh, uh, could you, uh, one thing I'm curious about is, you know, we, uh, seeing the doctor and then having a regular checkup and that type of thing, it makes sense. But what, what if you had a serious condition where you had to be hospitalized? Uh, if you don't take insurance, how does that work? Do you, uh, do you, uh, coordinate with insurance companies on kind of catastrophic care? Yeah. The direct care model, um, rough math can decrease, uh, health insurance premiums by 30 to 60%. Wow. Um, there's actually a, a Dr. Lee Gross, um, with uh, uh, Epiphany uh, Care. He's a direct care clinic uh, south of Sarasota. And he actually worked with their local hospital and published data for the hospital employees as, as a business, showing, I think, almost a 70% savings on their insurance premiums and, and payouts while improving care. So you, the cart before the horse, health insurance only pays for health care. Yeah. If we want cheaper insurance, we've got to make meds and labs and offices, it's much cheaper. And we can. So it, it's hand in glove our way of, of making the insurance you need for other big things uh, just as affordable. Well, it seems that what you, what you just described is a great way to save money for corporations, isn't it? If, in other words, if they were to help uh, incorporate this kind of a system, they could lower the premiums that they're paying for their employees. Absolutely. A lot of direct care practices will work with employer groups um, because you know, often that makes up about 40% of their patient panel. The uh, ERISA plans are a little different than the Affordable Care Act plan. So employers basically have a lot more flexibility to say, how rich or lean do we want this? Mm-hmm. And in any other world, you'd say cheap insurance is, quote, bad insurance, right? Like you can't buy the cheap diamond for your wife. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but you, Geico save you, you know, 15 minutes will save you 15%. We want affordable car insurance and home insurance and other things. Right. So it's uh, an education to show patients that if you combine direct care, this very high-value, low-cost model, with more affordable insurance, that you're actually getting a, a better combination than you would otherwise. Uh, so, Doctor, this has been such an informative conversation. I guess the, the one call for action here is for all of us to be asking, hey, what about telehealth <laughs> when it comes exactly. to to, to getting our care. Dr. Josh Umber, again, founder of Atlas MD. Doctor, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Larry Bell, a professor. He's an endowed professor at the University of Houston and author of uh, many books. His latest, he co-wrote with Buzz Aldrin, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned. 
tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us uh, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston. He's also the author of many books, uh, his latest Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier, co-written uh, with Buzz Aldrin. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, Bob, it's always such a great pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Professor. So your latest column, and by the way, uh, Professor Bell writes a column on point in Newsmax.com. comes out several times a week. Rudderless U.S. ship of state adrift in turbulent foreign waters. And, of course, our own president right now is uh, over meeting with NATO it's kind of a scary thought, but I just would appreciate your uh, giving some insight to what's going on. Yeah, it's uh, to, to use the word interesting would be a little bit of an understatement of what's going on. I think generally the public's not all that interested in what's happening globally and internationally. It seems to be more local affairs and, and so on. So we, I think during election cycles and so on, this foreign stuff gets short shrift because... Uh, not something much of the public follows, but, mm-hmm. you know, of, of late we've seen an unusual amount of uh, issues that bring that broad, broader perspective to us. And, uh, you know, we saw, of course, the Afghanistan debacle, which which is really a disaster because it, uh, you know, the way it was carried out certainly didn't leave any confidence in our military leadership of, from the uh, top down and, uh, you know, not to belabor that, but, you know, the way uh, we left so many people behind and, and the Bagram Air Base, which is so strategic because it it overlooked China and so on. It, it, was, uh, it was our eyes on, on that whole part of the world. And then, of course, we're seeing the recent issues with, with Russia, Ukraine, and... Uh, and it's, it's kind of actually exposing the Russian military as not being terribly competent either. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhat, somewhat desperate. And we, you know, we see, and meanwhile, the, you know, Middle East issues uh, where we're continuing to push this crazy Iran nuclear deal and JCPOA, which, which uh, nobody's really seen uh, all the terms of, but, 
incredibly, we've got Russia brokering it at the time for us on our behalf. <laughs> at the time that you know Putin's invading Ukraine, and just just saw this morning that North Korea just set up major ICBM, and we're seeing Russians use uh, you know, hypersonic uh, aircraft uh, in Ukraine, and we've got. China in the wings, uh, licking its lips over Taiwan and wondering how this Ukraine issue is going to uh, uh, percolate out in terms of impacting China. And, of course, China is going to have pretty much ownership of Russia, Russian oil, as we see uh, Russia now uh, beleaguered. Uh, you know all, all of these all of these issues on cascading on every level, and I mentioned in the introduction, you know, and we we can't really take heart too much of what uh, our former U.S. Defense Secretary Robert Gates said about uh, about Biden. He said uh, he warned Joe Biden has been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue for the past. Four decades. And yeah, he seems to be maintaining his record. Yeah, he certainly does. I mean, in fact, he's he says some very disturbing things. He says that we're going into an alignment of a new world order that he hopes the United States would lead. It was going. <laughs> I don't know what this guy is thinking. It's just unbelievable. And to think that we we're going to have some sort of a, a, an alignment. Having Russia represent us in talks with Iran, we're going to release all these. Uh, Funds to Iran, which will help, of course, fund terrorism at a, at a minimum, if not nuclear power. It just makes you wonder whose side this this administration is on. Well, you know, then, of course, when you talk about a new world order, that for for a lot of us, when we think of the United Nations and Agenda Twenty One and so on, right? It uh, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't bode very well. No, and one wonders whether. Whether you know Biden has any clue what what that means, uh, or, or what it means in general, you know, we, if we want a, a world order, and of course the model is the United Nations, I suppose, if not you know uh, deeper than that, uh, you know, good luck with that for uh, you know for the free world. You know, it's uh, kind of interesting that the new world order is, is the whole notion, I would imagine, is is that we're going to have uh, one global government that's going to watch over all of our needs and take care of all uh, of our needs. They will have peace for all mankind. You know, uh, Professor, I, I'm not even sure I trust my uh, my my, uh, my homeowners association. Never mind the uh, global government to take care of. It. You know, if you had somebody who's in charge, let's suppose from uh, India, say, "Well, guys, the people that got me into this position, I, I certainly should be taking care of them. We got to take care of the folks in Bangladesh." You know, politics is politics. My goodness, we just want to keep government small, and uh, it seems to me we'd like to keep it uh, focused on making America great again. Getting back to that agenda. Well, you, you think so. I, you know, I woke up this morning with a with an idea for an article. I think I want to post it for April Fool's Day, but it's kind of a serious article, and, and the title would be something like "Who's Worse, Al Gore, John Kerry, or FDR's Ghost?" Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I think of what's happening today. You know, and you think of how how Europe has built all these wind turbines and made themselves totally dependent upon Russian oil because of this climate nonsense that that was really uh, fomented within the United Nations initially to push the you know, Kyoto Protocol. And then we've got, we've got Al Gore as a double threat, and he's pushing this uh, Iran nuclear deal. At the same time, he you know, thinks climate's the greatest, greatest threat of all, and we've got to, you know, we've got to immediately... Uh, Make Greta Thornburg our United Nations ambassador or something, and and, and push all this this energy stuff. And then we got you got uh, Biden, who they you know his his all his notion he's going to be FDR. He's going to be bigger than FDR. You know he's maybe he's the guy that's going to head this new world order. And they bring him out of his you know basement bunker, and now he's in the, you know he's going to he's going to instruct the world on 
you know, with his sidekick Kamala on, on how to run uh, world affairs. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty scary stuff. And, and the sense of, you know, who's in charge, Yeah, who's really in charge. And, uh, is this a pretty picture? No, it certainly isn't. Again, Professor Larry Bell, I encourage you to visit uh, Newsmax.com. Check out On Point. Always interesting commentary from Professor Larry Bell. Also, his books, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier, co-authored with Buzz Aldrin. But also, take a look at the books on climate change. They are so fascinating. My favorite is, uh, well, Climate of Corruption, but also... Uh, a scared witless, the prophets and prophets of climate doom. Both great reads and a very informative on this whole issue of climate change. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, thank you so much again. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly had fun. We've got some great guests lined up for Monday, including Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, Larry Reed, endowed professor, I should say, uh, president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, and Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, will be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments here on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends uh, how to find it and uh, ask them to listen. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>